the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. As a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome once again to another edition of the Larry Rosenthal Show. Today with Dina Arnett is our host this morning. So glad to see you and glad you're here today. I am happy to be here. It's my first show of the new year, so happy new year. Happy new year, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, excited to hear from you on your calls. By the way, the phone number there is 855-767-3123, 855-ROSE-123. Go ahead and jump on those phones so that we can talk to Dina this morning. About what? What are we talking about today? Well, first thing I'm going to talk about are the markets. Holy cow, what a difference a year makes, right? <laughs> um, la- last year was was a little bit scary for a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. and so far for 2023, all three major U.S. indices are positive for the year. The S&P gained 2.5% this week. That brings the broad U.S. index up a little over 6% just for the month of January. The Dow was up 1.8% for the week. The Dow's up 25 for the month of January, and the NASDAQ, our worst performer in 2022, was up a whopping 4.3% just this week alone. That tech-heavy index is up, can you guess? A lot. 11% for the month of January. <laughs> a whole lot. <laughs> well, and that's what we typically see, right? The the indices that have the wildest swings upward in a good market will have the worst swings downward in a bad market, and right now, the whipsaw is in the positive direction, which I know that so many of us are so thankful for. Right oh, yeah, now. absolutely. <clears throat> so it's it's a nice start for the year. The conversation I've been having with my colleagues and with my clients is at what point does good news become good news again? Because right now in an inflationary environment where the economy is completely overheated and we've got all of our elected and appointed officials doing what they can to cool it down, Mm -hmm. the news that would normally strike fear in all of our hearts is the news that we need. Okay, If, if I can equate 
last year's market to, and forgive my terminology, a great big COVID hangover. Wow. Okay. Yeah. The medicine has been equally ugly. The medicine has been the Fed raising interest rates four times mm. at three quarters of a percent each. And then in December, another half percent. So the Fed raised short-term rates at whopping three and a half percent last year. Yeah. The medicine has been really nasty. Talk about driving the housing market to a stop, too. That's Well, I, I won't say that it has stopped, no, but there's certainly been a slowdown. I don't think this is on par at all with what we saw in 2008. Mm. The incidence of those exotic, hard-to-understand mortgages, uh, so, so low uh, in comparison. No doc Um, stuff. Anybody could get a mortgage. Yeah, yeah, the no doc loans, the negative amortization loans, um, all of those seem to have... They seem to be a thing of the past, I'll say. But I do expect that with rates rising as they have, even though they've started backing off a bit, I think that that does make it harder for people who want to sell their homes. And I think it makes it harder for people who want to buy them because you can't buy as much house with a 6.5% mortgage as you could at a 3 Yeah, It's math. It is. But I don't think it crashes the housing market. I think perhaps in some in some economies you may see housing prices drop by 10%, maybe a little bit more. But that's not on par with what we saw in 2008. I've seen the builders respond to this a little bit, too. They seem to be building smaller houses and more accommodative houses for that smaller budget. So. Well, and what we've seen also is a decline, an 11 months long decline in the number of new houses that builders are actually building. Mm-hmm. So that's a slowdown from that perspective as well. So if I look at all of the data these days, I've got 11 months of falling housing starts. I've got four months of falling housing prices. We've got a lot of companies announcing layoffs. We've got consumer spending that is starting to slow. We've got consumer debt that is rising. In any other economic circumstance, that would be frightening. That would say, oh, no, the economy is, is roaring to a screeching halt. Right. But in this environment, in an environment where inflation is st- is still at 40-year highs, that type of economic slowdown is what is needed. That's the medicine, if yeah. you will, that will help get us out of this high inflationary environment. I'm not sure a spoonful of sugar is going to help that medicine go down very well, though. <laughs> it has not thus far. January yeah. has been a nice reprieve. We're starting to see more and more data coming through that reflects that inflation is, in fact, dropping. But it's, it's sort of like the roller coaster ride in terms of the data. We'll have one week where the data will show us that inflation is coming down. We'll have another week where the data may show that it's not. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have this volatility in the data. And while that data remains volatile, I think you should expect more volatility in the market. So while January has been quite nice and it has been a real relief after what last year did, I I would tell our listeners and I tell myself this on the regular as well. Don't get too used to this because whatever it is, it'll pass. Yeah, yeah.
as we go down this timeline and as we get more and more data that shows that inflation is coming down, that the overheated economy is cooling off, I think you'll see less volatility in the data and perhaps less market volatility. Larry always says the market needs clarity of direction, and I think we're getting closer to that, but we're not there yet. Well, so for those of us who are, I mean, but people are definitely <laughs> looking at this. And do I do I sell everything? Do I panic everything? What do I do during this time as far as holding the course and being stable moving forward? You know, it, it's it's sometimes hard to avoid the temptation to sell on one of these upticks Mm -hmm. because last, you know, we're all a little bit burned. We're all feeling a little singed from last year, but I would say on the whole, if your financial plan was good before last year's downturn, it should still be good now. Okay. And your financial plan is not only the analysis of what happens if you keep doing what you're doing, but the the recommendations within the financial plan include the investment portfolio. Mm -hmm. So for people who have done that level of work, absolutely reconvene with your advisor, do a risk check on the portfolio, make sure that you're taking an appropriate level of risk for the returns that you're getting. But avoid the temptation to sell everything and go to cash. Avoid the temptation if you're a federal employee. Avoid the temptation to sell everything and go into the G fund. Mm -hmm. Okay? These markets are impossible to time. In fact, Fidelity, a number of years ago, did a study, and they've done this every so many years uh, over time. And the study bears out every single time. They look at the returns of the market, the S&P, over time. And then they look at the returns that are achieved by the individual investor over that same period of time. And what these studies have shown, bar none, is that the investor who gets invested and stays invested does eons better than the investor who tries to time in and out of a market. It's actually kind of counterintuitive, but during markets like this, a lot of things are on sale. So if you have a little bit of extra that you can dump in there when things do drop, you, you don't buy it when it's high, obviously, right? That's the old adage. But if you do see a, a drop in your favorite stock, you've got a little extra money. It's not a bad idea to pick up something, is it? If you believe in your financial plan, if you are confident in the investment recommendations in your plan, it's during a down market that you make your best money. It just doesn't feel like it (laughs) because you're hearing all the bad news. You're seeing the markets go down. But I'm telling you what, for anyone who's ever heard my story about the Jimmy Choo shoes on the little back clearance rack in Bloomingdale's, it's the same thing. I haven't heard that story, but that's how I get. When I first moved to the East Coast, when I first started working and in um, building my financial planning practice out here, I had never been to a Bloomingdale's. I knew about the little brown bags, (laughs) and I went to Bloomingdale's. And I found in this back corner, it was dark. There weren't a lot of lights back there, but it was a clearance rack full of really high-end shoes. <laughs> I love shoes. Sure. Okay. Well, you're a girl found, or I, lady. Sorry. Well, let well, some us men like stereotype. Some men like shoes, too. I mean, shame on you for stereotyping. I know. Let that shame slide. on you. <laughs> um, but I found a pair of very high-end shoes in that 
on that little rack, I, had, I would have never probably bought this particular brand of shoes because I wouldn't have wanted to pay the money for them. Mm -hmm. But they were on a ridiculous sale in the back of the store in this little clearance rack. So when I'm, I'm using this example with my clients, I'm like, were the shoes not as nice because they were on the clearance rack? Mm -hmm. No, yeah. they were fabulous shoes. <laughs> they were just on clearance. They were on sale. Time to go get them, right? That's right. Yeah. They were no, they, they weren't used. They were in perfect condition. They just, I don't know, last season's model or something, but they were still very good shoes. Yeah. So yeah. I liken that to when the market goes down as it did last year. Are these individual stocks that you would have liked before the market took its downturn? Are those stocks still attractive to you? Are they of companies that you feel will still be in business years down the road? Yeah. If so, sort of like my shoes in that back dark corner of Bloomingdale's. <laughs> They're great shoes. Buy the shoes. I like that story. Buy the stock. I do. 855-767-3123. And I do apologize for stereotyping, but my, my wife does like those shoes. So I guess I kind of equated to that as well, that she likes to buy them. I like shoes too, though. So 855-767-3123. 855-ROSE123. What do you say we take a quick break here? We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show here in just a second. We invite you to stay tuned and get on those phones. 855-ROSE123, 855-767-3123. More of the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina Arnett here in just a minute. Stay tuned. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. We've all heard the more risk you get, the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments. However, can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns? You can only water ski behind one boat at a time. Make sure your risk-adjusted return is aligned 
with your investment objectives. Back to the Larry Rosenthal Show, 855-767-3123 is the telephone number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123 to talk to Dina Arnett, who is in studio with us here today. We'd love to hear from you, 855-ROSE-123. Dina. You might not necessarily be able to see me. I've got one of those cameras that follows me when I walk. And, and it, it followed you out of the room and back it again. It followed me out, and it did not follow me back in. Can you can you fix that? I will do that. I'll get promoted in here in just a second while you're talking a little bit. So. Yes. So before the break, I was talking about the economic data and how the economic data sometimes will show that inflation is falling and sometimes it won't. So this past week, we had some data points that show a slowing economy. The U.S. Composite Purchasing Managers Index, we call that PMI, it tracks both manufacturing and services activity. So that reading came in at 46.6 for January. That's a little bit better than the December report, but it is among the lowest that we've seen since the early days of the pandemic. And the way we gauge that is if we have a PMI reading below 50, that typically signals a contraction in business activity, a slowdown. Mm -hmm. But on the other side of that, labor demand is still strong, signs of slowing job growth and uncertainty around trading conditions. Those are starting to pop up more and more. So, again, as I was saying, those things that that would have sounded like bad information, bad signals, bad data in a normal economy, those are the things that we're looking for right now. We're looking for the things that reflect a cooling of the economy. So um, to, to contrast that, the Eurozone had a composite PMI number that came in just a little over 50, and that shows an increase in their activity, mostly in the service sector. They've got energy prices that are, that are falling. They're easing some, uh, um, some of the economic conditions. And the fear of a deep, deep recession is starting to calm down a little bit. So we're going to see this kind of thing all over, all over the globe. You're going to see it in developed economies like the U.S. and Europe. You're going to see it in emerging economies like Brazil, Russia, India, China. There you go. The brick, right? Yes. Um, you know, it's interestingly enough, countries like Japan, Japan saw an expansion in their service activity as well. But in the U.K., in Germany, Australia, all three of those big developed economies are showing signs of slowing business activity. Those three had the PMI levels below 50, just like the U.S. did. Mm -hmm. So some good data, some not so good data. And I, I believe that it's eventually going to shake out and show us that all the work that the Fed did last year, it's finally coming um, coming full circle. It's finally showing what we want it to show. Yeah. So next week, the Fed is meeting, and the wide expectation is that the Fed will raise interest rates by a quarter of a percent when they meet next week. So we'll have their announcement next Wednesday afternoon, 2 o'clock-ish, 
and then they'll meet again six weeks later in mid-March. I think depending on the data, and it, and it all hinges on this data, there's a possibility that when the Fed meets again in mid-March, they raise rates one more time at a quarter of a percent. But if the data starts accelerating in the downward, in the downward trajectory, I think there's a slight possibility that the Fed may not do anything when they meet in January. They'll pause. Yeah. I'm sorry, when they meet in March, mm -hmm. not January. They're going to raise next week. Um, but when they meet in March, if the data shows a, a significant reduction in inflation and it shows a whole lot of downward pressure on economic activity, they could pause, and they may pause for several meetings before they do anything else. I think that is the clarity of direction that Larry's talking about. When Larry talks about the market needs clarity of direction, when the Fed comes out at some point, and they will, and they say, we're seeing the impact of these rate increases in economic data, we're seeing inflation come down, that, I believe, will be one of the signals that tells the market, okay, it's all right to run again. Yeah. 855-767-3123 if you'd like to dial in and talk to Dana. 855-ROSE-123. You've got concerns maybe about your portfolio? She has the answers for you this morning. Again, 855-ROSE-123. You can't talk about economic data without talking about the debt ceiling. That has hit headlines <laughs> this week. It really yeah. has. <laughs> and, and I've had a lot of clients come to me really worried about this, really worried about this. Well, guess what? Congress has either raised the debt ceiling or revised the definition of the debt 78 times since 1960. What's to say they might do it again, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is a recurring issue that tends to emerge every couple of years or so. The negotiations may drag on for a while, but Congress has always stressed that the U.S. will not default on its debt. So right now, they've kicked the can down the road to mid-year. They're going to figure out a, a compromise on how to continue keeping the federal government rolling. Mm -hmm. However, if you're a federal government employee, this little tidbit may be of interest to you. The Treasury Department decided to stop fully funding the government securities fund, the G Fund, in your thrift savings plan. That is an extraordinary measure to avoid breaching the debt limit. This fund, if you're a federal employee, this fund allows government employees to invest in an interest-bearing U.S. securities fund as part of their retirement savings. It is interest-bearing. It's not exposed to the stock market. It's a safety net for a lot of federal employees. And because of this concern with the debt ceiling, the Treasury has decided to stop funding it temporarily. Hmm. It's a yeah, little scary for so, some folks who have been sort of counting on that, I would think. Well, I don't think it means that they're going to take money away from them. I, I believe they may restrict deposits into it until mid-year. We'll mm -hmm. see. But uh, we work with a lot of government employees here at the firm. There are a lot of government employees and government contractors in the area who mm -hmm. participate in that mm -hmm. plan. So I think it's a, an important thing to know. Well, there's a lot of, uh, I guess, concern or anxiety, I guess, in, especially in the Washington, D.C. area for those federal employees, because in the past there has been a time when the government shut down for a couple of weeks, and these yes. kinds of things do con are very concerning for those who are trying to put food on the table and save money. And 
Absolutely. It's in okay. times past when federal employees have been furloughed for a week, two weeks at a time, they, they've always gotten back pay for it. But it's still a frightening thing. It is, because you don't really know. Uncertainty is, as you always talk about, even in the markets, uncertainty is always a, a predecessor to some very big concerns. So, Well, it is. The, uh, the uncertainty is there, but I think the big message in all of this is, look, we've been here, done that a lot, a lot of yeah. times. Just kind of relax. And let, yeah. yeah. So to think that they won't figure it out this time, they will. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's probably some political grandstanding to be had no. before it's all done. <laughs> Call me cynical, but they'll fix it. They yeah. always do. Yeah. Well, I hope so. Definitely. In the grand scheme of things I am uber worried about, that's not even on the top ten. Okay. Well, what is in the top ten that you're worried about? <laughs> At least number one. <laughs> oh. Okay, that's going to take Don't a minute. Don't make me give my list. <laughs> yeah, that, that, might, that might take a minute. <laughs> hey, listen, 855-767-3123 is our phone number here. Dean is taking your calls, 855-ROSE-123. So in the realm of data that would normally sound bad, but in this environment is not necessarily bad, we've got several tech companies joining the wave of layoffs, Google, Microsoft, Spotify, IBM, mm-hmm. SAP. And this is all on the tails of weaker earnings in the fourth quarter last year. Even with all of that, though, weekly jobless claims fell by 6,000. That suggests that even with these layoffs that are being announced, and it, and it seems like we get several a week right now, the labor market still remains really, really tight. So that's part of what the Fed will be looking at. They're going to be looking at our wages still increasing, and if, if so, what's the pace of increase? Is it slowing down at all? They're looking at the actual labor market. How many layoffs are there? Is that unemployment rate starting to inch up? Okay, they're looking at consumer spending. Consumer spending is calculated as roughly two-thirds of the overall calculation of our GDP, our output as a country. And what we saw in December is that household spending here in the U.S., it weakened. It fell by 0.2% month over month. That's a sign of economic slowdown. But on the other side, personal spending rose to 3.4% from the previous month. So we've got this volatility of data. Household spending's down, personal spending's up. One's deflationary, one's inflationary. Mm-hmm. So we're going to see this back and forth, I believe, until probably mid-year. So the market should remain volatile. Don't let it scare you. If you're unnerved by what's going on in the market, sit down with your financial advisor. Have them explain to you in terms you understand the level of risk that you're assuming with your investments. As you get closer to your desired retirement date, you may find that you don't want as much risk in your life. The 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 balancing act that you have to engage in is slowing down that risk enough so that you can sleep at night and not be worried about your retirement, but not slow it down so much that over time you can't outpace taxes and inflation. That's the balancing act as investors that we all engage in. 
If yeah. you don't have an advisor who can explain that risk-reward trade-off to you, we sure can. So if you would like a risk analysis on your portfolio, I'm happy to provide that for you. In fact, um, the first 10 people who request one after today's show, I will give for free. Oh, nice. Wow. Yep. You Very need good. to understand if you're if you're taking this much risk and getting this much return, there's a disconnect. Yeah. Okay. We need them to match at least. If I can take this much risk and get this much return, all the better. Sure. I I just kind of wonder if your office doesn't have one of those nice comfy chairs that are like for therapists and you don't have like nice music as people walk in to kind of calm them down especially in markets like that you kind of almost like we have now then the volatility you know, is it's it's interesting i i compare last year's market to 2008 in some regards it wasn't as severe we didn't have the severe economic downturn we didn't have all of the banking sector issues that we had in 2008 but last year was the worst market we've seen since 2008 oh, yeah. yeah and i think we and i and i'm using we as the collective not just financial advisors but clients investors all over the world i think we've learned a lot since 2008 and part of what we have learned is that this too shall pass even if we have a yucky, yucky market like we did last year, it passes, it rebounds. As long as you're not investing in super speculative things, and there's a lot of that out there, okay? And some of the speculative things can sound very, very convincing. Oh, yeah. As long as the majority of your portfolio is in solid, tried and true investments in companies that have a a good economic moat. They've got a good balance sheet. They've got good cash flow. They've got good return on equity. You'll be fine. Good companies go through hard times. We saw it last year. There's a lot of those stories from last year. As long as you buy quality investments, this too shall pass. Well, it's also about making sure that you stay true to your goals, right? Cause it, you have to. You, you know, have to. Because otherwise you're kind of going <laughs> left and right. You don't really have a, a good compass and a good direction as to where you're going unless you've got some goals in mind. Well, and, and the biggest goal, arguably the biggest goal most of my clients have is retirement, mm -hmm. okay? And the one thing that I find myself reiterating fairly regularly is, hey, just because you retire at a certain age, let's pick 62, okay? Just because you retire at 62 years old does not mean that that is the day you go in and completely liquidate out your 401k <laughs> back up the or truck. your TSP or your 457 yeah. or your 403b. You don't back the truck up and load it up. Mm -hmm. No. You've been saving into those accounts all of these years to provide consistent income for you for the rest of your life once you leave that job for the last time. So it is not logical for you to put everything in a super-duper conservative investment the second you retire, especially if you've got longevity in your genes. You're going to want to make sure that you've got money segregated for today, okay? Mm -hmm. Maybe you have two or three years' worth of cash, U.S. treasuries, things like that, that will give you a very, very safe, secure income for the first two or three years, and then you do another segment that's going to be an income-producing segment that will refill the first bucket, mm -hmm. okay? So these first two buckets are very risk-managed. And then you've got the third bucket, which is the long-term money. Money in that third bucket is money you won't need for seven years or longer. 
that's the money that is positioned or should be positioned to help you outpace taxes and inflation for the rest of your life. So when you're thinking about sort of dropping the paycheck, you're retiring and the paycheck's gone now and you're starting to look at pensions and whatever investments you have as far as getting that money back. It's another way of looking at your paycheck or your income each month. You've got to know where it's coming from and how much to take out. And that's part of your plan. It absolutely is. I have so many clients. One of the most common retirement planning questions is, hey, how does this work logistically? How am I going to get my money? Right. You know, once I get my last paycheck from my employer, how do I get paid from now on? Right. It's a and great it, question. And will it be on time? Will I be able to pay the mortgage and so on? That's right. That's right. What we do is we help our clients go through their budget. We look at the sources of guaranteed income. Maybe you've got a pension. Maybe you've got some Social Security coming in. Maybe you've got some annuity income from another investment. We add all those up, and we see what's left. What's the what's the distance from that point to your financial target every single month? And we set it up so that your investment accounts deposit that amount of money into your bank on schedule, whether it's once a month, whether it's twice a month. You can actually set up your retirement income to pay in from your different sources on a similar schedule to what you were being paid when you were working. Very cool. Yes. Yeah. If you set it up right, then you're just you're just not much of a transition. You kind of just roll into your life. That's again. right. Yeah, very good. Yes. 855-767-3123 is our phone number, 855-ROSE-123. Uh, you want to take a quick break? We'll be back with more of the Larry Rosenthal Show here in just a minute. So if you'd like to dial in again, that number, 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. The Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina here in studio with us. We'll be back in just a moment. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. So many different ways to invest money. Lump sum deposits, buy and hold, market timing. How about dollar cost averaging? Put the same amount of money into the same investment at every interval, whether it's monthly, quarterly, annually, whatever it may be. This gives you the greatest opportunity to get the average price over the long term of the investment because one of the secrets to creating wealth is the acquisition of shares. You want to keep buying more and more shares over time. On the flip side, when you're in your retirement years and you want to distribute dollars to yourself for income, do the same thing in reverse. Dollar cost average out during your retirement years. Delivering sound financial advice you can depend on. You found the Larry Rosenthal Show. Call now with your questions, 855-767-3123, or stop by LarryRosenthal.com. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show with Dina Arnett in studio with us here today. We appreciate you being here. And, in fact, heading out over to, uh, to Oklahoma, we're going to talk to Barbara here. What's your question here for Dina this morning? And welcome. 
friend that um, my auntie passed away a few few years ago, and she left money um, to my niece that she raised and her great niece. Um, I wanted to find out is there anything I can do with it because I am guardian over her. Um, and I wanted to know if there was anything I can do. It 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 started out uh, with being uh, $140,000, but by the time the lawyers got through and everything, it ended up being eighty-five. Right now it's at okay. 82000 and I'm trying not to touch it. They just put it in a bank here in Oklahoma in Tulsa. And um, I just, um, I don't, I just try to ignore that it's there so we won't use it because this is money that uh, is for her, um, you know. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I'm Thank 80 years old. God bless you. And my um, niece, her sister, will be over her um, when I die. And so I'm just, I just don't know what to do with the money, and sure. I was listening to your show, and I wanted to ask about that. Well, well I am so glad that you did. I, I I am so glad that you called, and I don't know, you might be my first caller from Oklahoma. That's pretty exciting. So, yes. so a couple of questions for you. How old is your niece, and you said this money is also for your great-niece? No. My, my, she is my auntie's great niece. I'm, ah. uh, my, my auntie, my father's sister, okay. took her and raised her from three years old. She is, she will be 60 years old this year. She lives with me here okay. in Tulsa, but she was raised in California. Uh, like I said, uh, my auntie left her um, a condominium. Her and my uh, and my uh, auntie's goddaughter. So uh, when it was sold, they both got one hundred forty thousand dollars. Well, to get the money here and stuff, it ended up that I had to get a lot of because the goddaughter was over her money, and it, that was a big problem and stuff. So anyway. Um, by the time they got through and everything, we ended up with eighty-five. She did eighty-five thousand dollars, but the courts here put me over it because she is um, she does have some problems. I see. I see. Okay. So you know, it's very difficult to give individual recommendations with just a tiny bit of information. I, I would say, generally speaking, there are places that will give better interest than a savings account at the bank without taking crazy risk. So what I would like to do uh, is speak with you offline about this. Um, the questions that I want to ask you probably shouldn't be answering on, on a live call-in show. So could we find some time next week to chat about this, and I'll give you some guidance that way? Yes, ma'am. I would appreciate it. Happy to help. Thank you so much for calling. All right, Barbara, I'm going to put you on hold and get you over to Bob and set up some time for you and Dina to talk. So hang in there. Uh, Bill is calling us from D.C. Bill, welcome to the program, and how can we help you today? Hey, Bill. Uh, thank you. Hi. Thank you. I really enjoy your show. Thank can you so you much. repeat what 
I, I came in and caught the last ending of uh, your conversation prior to the last caller. You were mm -hmm. talking about um, deductions from retirement accounts. I'm not quite sure if you were talking about uh, 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 qualified uh, plans, reduction plans, or qualified plans for uh, for uh, uh, taking deductions at the end of the year. But can you repeat that again? Because here's my problem. I'm trying to determine. Because I'm retired, but I'm trying to return, determine how do I do this uh, charitable, charitable deduction thing oh. uh, with, with, with my retirement. So I would have to be paying out money each month to a particular, particular retirement, uh, <clears throat> a, particular, a particular charitable organization. So can you repeat that last piece prior to that last call, if you don't mind, please? I don't mind at all, and thank you for the question. I was talking about, in, in more general terms, I wasn't talking about qualified charitable deductions, but it's it's an easy conversation to, to bridge into. I was talking about setting up a, a retirement account to pay out to the account owner on a regular basis once they retire. But if you've hit an age where you are now saddled with what are called required minimum distributions, that's where the IRS forces you to take money out of these pre-tax retirement accounts, pay the taxes, and then keep, keep what's left. The qualified charitable deduction allows you to avoid the taxation, but it qualifies as the required minimum distribution. So what you would do is you would set up with your IRA custodian to send money directly to your charity, your church, your your favorite organization, as long as they're a 501c3 charity. The money would go directly to that organization. You would get a Form 1099-R showing that you had satisfied your required minimum distribution, but the box that shows taxable amount would say zero. The charity then receives your gift. They don't pay taxes on it either. But you have to set it up from an IRA, not a 401k plan, okay? So if you've still got money sitting in an old employer plan, it probably doesn't qualify for QCD treatment. You will want to roll that into an IRA and then make those qualified charitable donations that way. That's a very good distinction. Uh, Larry talked a lot about QCDs in the last couple of weeks here on the program. Yeah. So that's folks have been listening and talking about that. Jackie's calling us from Maryland. Jackie, welcome to the program. And what's your question for Dina? Good morning. My question is um, in regard to the um, my retirement. I retired on the 31st of December and just received my last paycheck. Congratulations. I, awesome. Thank you. And I would like to know what the risk is for moving all of my, I'm TFT, for moving all of my funds in TFT into the G fund. So the, the risk for you, there's a couple of them. First of all, it's a timing risk, okay? If you take all of your thrift savings plan and you move it into the G fund, you may pull those funds out of the stock market at a bad time and sort of cut yourself off at the knees in terms of any sort of uh, financial recovery that the markets may give you. The bigger risk in doing that is not knowing when to put the money back into the stocks, okay? 
because it is next to impossible. And trust me, I have tried to figure this out because if I could figure out how to get out of the market when it's at its highest, let it go back down to its lowest and then get back in, we could have the radio show from a beach in Bora Bora. It would be amazing. (laughs) But study after study has shown you can't time the market like that. So many of us get our, our, our political fears, wants, wishes wrapped up in that. We read or see things in the media, and, and it becomes a fear-based move. And quite often, when we make emotional money decisions based on fear and greed, they're quite often bad ones. Now, that said, I think putting some money in the G fund may be okay as long as you've got a chunk of the money that is positioned elsewhere to help you outpace taxes and inflation over your life. You walked out the door for the last time on December 31st. You just got your first retirement paycheck. You've probably got quite a few years left on your timeline. Your money needs to last as long as you do, and it won't do that in the G fund. Okay. And so uh, I just one additional question. What if I choose just to leave it in the G fund and I don't anticipate ever taking it out? Who are your beneficiaries? Well, if you're not using the money, you can't outlive it. Okay. Once you hit age 70, either 73, 75, they've just changed the rules for required minimum distributions. But if that thrift savings plan is a pre tax bucket of money, at some point you will have to start making withdrawals and paying taxes on it. So, um, you know, it, it, I've got a lot of thoughts going through my head on this right now, Jackie. And, and one of my thoughts is if you're not using the money, okay, why not invest it to keep pace with taxes and inflation over time? Either your heirs or beneficiaries will inherit that account or a charity will inherit it. Why not grow it if, if you don't need it for your livelihood? Just playing devil's advocate here, why not invest some of it and try to get higher rates of return than the G fund will ever give you. Bottom line question is, is there a risk that I would lose it in the G fund? No. Okay. That's a great answer. And that's what I was looking for. (laughs) I do appreciate your time. Thank you so very much. Yes, ma'am. You have a great weekend. Jackie, appreciate the call. Thanks for calling us today. Reggie is calling us from New York. What's your question for Dina here this morning, Reggie? Uh, Dina, good morning. I'm calling. I'm calling about a probate pro, probate question. Okay. Um, my mom and dad's house. Um, my brother kind of took it over after my mom and dad died. Um, there was a will. Uh, I'm not really sure about the will. Um, this was 2015. It is now 2023, and I want to know if I still can pursue and bring it to to probate because I don't believe it's ever been in probate. He just kind of took it over, and and I feel the house should have been distributed evenly. Sure. So, Reggie, unfortunately, this is a legal question, and since I'm not a lawyer and, furthermore, not a lawyer in New York, I'm a little limited on what I can tell you. Um, I would say open up your phone book. Ask friends for recommendations. You absolutely need to talk to a lawyer in New York 
and ask that question to them. There's stat there are statutes of limitations um, in terms of contesting a will. If you haven't even seen the will, okay, and you're a beneficiary of the will, I would want to know who was the um, who was the trustee, who was the executor or executrix on that will. There's if you expected to be a beneficiary and you have heard nothing in eight years, I think it's time to seek legal representation to see what your recourse may be. Yeah, I wasn't a beneficiary. Well. Um, okay. But, but, I, but, but I do understand. Um, I know this is a show about financial questions, and I just, I know I'm a little bit off. Um, asking a question about probate, but I thought I would just throw that out there, and um, I respect your opinion. Well, so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, look into it and call up uh, uh, some legal advice. Well, you did the right thing. You just had a question, and you called into the show to get some more advice, and so continue on that path, and hopefully you'll get some good resolve there. I hope, you, I hope you get some good news, Reggie. All right, Reggie. Thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good weekend. You too. you too. Take care. 855-767-3123. If you have questions for Dina, you'd like to get answered. 855-ROSE-123. Dina. So I wanted to spend a little bit of time today talking about IRAs. IRAs, we've all heard the term, but what is it really? And we're, we're in officially in tax season. A lot of people are starting to gather their tax documents, their CPAs, their, their H&R block reps, their tax preparers may come to them and say, hey, we can save you some money in taxes if you make a contribution to your IRA. Hmm. So a lot of people will come in and they'll say, hey, my accountant told me to, to contribute some money to an IRA. Can you open an IRA for me? Who can open IRAs? Who can have them? How are they funded? There's a lot of information out there, but I want to call your attention to a couple of groups of people who can have IRAs that you may not realize. And the very first is a non-working spouse. So if you're married and one of you is a stay-at-home parent, a, a, house, a, a homemaker, that non-wage-earning spouse can actually have their own IRA based on the work that the working spouse is is doing, as long as they file a joint income tax return. You can't file separately and make this happen. But a non-working spouse can contribute as much to this spousal IRA as the wage earner in the family. So, for example, in 2022, the contribution limit for IRAs, both Roth and traditional, is $6,000. If you're 50 years old or older, you can contribute $7,000. And you have until the tax filing deadline this year to make the contribution for last year. So as you gather up all of your tax documents, if you have a non-working spouse at home, look to see whether a contribution for the, the non-working spouse, see if that is something that will help your tax situation. And also talk to your financial advisor about whether this would be a good addition to your retirement plan. So I know that you're talking about IRAs, and I don't want to jump too far off the track here, but IRAs and SEPs are, they are, are a little bit different, right? But the contribution limits are different. The contribution limits are different, but they're treated the same way as far as for tax purposes and things of that nature, are they not? 
Well, if we look at broad categories, pre-tax and post-tax, yes, they can be viewed the same. There will be some people who will attempt to make an IRA contribution, and because of the other income in the house, you don't qualify to deduct that contribution mm. from your tax return. That doesn't mean don't do it. This could be a very, very nice way to get money into a Roth IRA. So think with me. You open a traditional IRA. You're over 50 years old. You contribute your $7,000 to that. But your accountant comes back and says, hey, it's great that you made that contribution to your traditional IRA. But your household income is too high for me to deduct it from your income taxes. So what do you do? Have you made a wasted contribution? Absolutely not, because you then have the ability to take that contribution and convert it to Roth IRA and make that bucket of money tax-free forever as long as you play by the rules. Very nice. And, and the rules are when you make a conversion, leave it alone for five years. Gotcha. Hey, we've just got a couple of minutes left here in the program. We've got a couple of people on hold here, so let's try to get a couple of these calls in. Tawanda's, ca Tawanda's calling us from Maryland. Tawanda, what's your question for Dina? Um, yes. I would like to know what are my op best options of putting some money I currently have in a savings account, which is not giving me anything. Um, and I'm looking for some advice as to whether to use a CD or money market or how, what's the best way to invest it. Certainly, certainly. That's a great question, Tawanda, and, and appreciate that. One of the things I would suggest, I, I'm, I'm getting the picture that you don't want this money exposed to stock market risk. And if that is the case, I would suggest you start doing your research online. Look to see. There's a website called bankrate.com where you can shop interest rates. You put in your zip code, and they'll show you where the best interest rates are in your area. You may also want to go to treasurydirect.gov. That's where you can see what the various types and maturities of United States treasuries are paying. So, for example, you may find a UST bill that is paying in excess of 4.5%. You may want some money to go there. You may want some money to go to a money market uh, at a bank that you, that you found that's got a nice yield on it. But I would, I would uh, start a research project, see what's out there that is principal protected, that gives a nice yield. This is the first time in quite a long time doing that kind of shopping actually pays off. Okay, Tawanda. Okay, what was the treasury? What was the treasury website again? Treasurydirect.gov. Okay. Thank you so much for your call, Tawanda. Yeah. Appreciate that. Thank you. Have a great day. 855-767-3123. Keep that number in mind during the week. We're about out of time here for this morning. We've got another call in line, but we'll have to pick that up right after we complete the show here in just a minute. But in summary here, um, what are we talking about? What do we what do we talk about today? Well, what we talked about is we're in kind of an odd economic time where what would have been considered bad data in the past is what we need. We need, we need to see that this overheated U.S. economy is cooling down. So when you hear something in the financial media, you read it on the Internet, if it looks scary to you, call your financial advisor, ask them what it means. 
And if you don't have a financial advisor to call and talk about these things with, we are happy to help. Or for a second opinion, you can always also call Larry Rosenthal's office at 855-767-3123. Well, it was lovely to see you once again this week. Hopefully you're not going to stay away too long. We'll have you back on the air here shortly. Hope Thanks. so. Good Thanks. to see you. Yeah, you too. We're going to continue on here in just a minute here on YouTube. Well, we've got a couple of calls on the line to, to answer. You can always watch the program, by the way, at LarryRosenthal.tv on YouTube every week. And there's a lot of previous shows up there available for you as well. Thanks for being with us. For Bob in the back there. Hey, Bob. Bob. And Dina, have a great week. We'll talk to you again next time on the Larry Rosenthal Show. Bye. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.